let's get back on track. Let's do an actual try hard few few weeks. Well, maybe the thing is, it's it, it's unpredictable. But last week was an anomaly because it was the first week back, and everything again, everything is back to front, front to back, and I had, you know, even if I wanted to make time for it, it was a choice between podcasting or sleeping for three hours and you know i had to choose yeah, to sleep yeah i had to that's a fair i think i would choose sleeping at all over podcasting so that being said we are back and this for at least the next month wow is going to be a weekly thing that's i can give you that much of a guarantee because then after that i'm in germany the graciouses are good yeah man get back to a weekly schedule let's hit the big 200 i, I predict we'll get to there by april that would be fitting somehow. I don't really know how, <laughs> but yeah. Be fitting. That feels like a story. Okay. April. Two hundred in April. One for the one for the ages. Seesaw parade turns two hundred. See, that's how it works. That's how you. When's count. the last time anything's ever turned two hundred? Eh. Scotland. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Scotland. Yeah. You're right. I think it's at least two hundred. But that was a long time ago. Yeah. No one, no one celebrated long, that. Nothing else has turned 200 since Scotland. Did. They didn't have the, when Scotland was 200, they didn't have a concept of time. They were just like, oh, we've been around for a while. Let's <laughs> let's hunt down a, a rabbit. Let's go get the sheep. Let's go get the sheep in from the hill. Exactly. We checked in on the on the coos lately. Are they still are they still or ginger? Aye. I am yeah. James, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. Could we Could we have a two hundredth birthday party? Or like no. a two... Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a birthday. One, oh, no, sorry. Re- let was... me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Uh, like an evening, let's say drinks here or drinks at yours yeah. to mark a 200 episode. Did we not episode. do a special thing for one hundo? I don't think we did. I think we just changed the I format. I thought we did a live show. We might have done. But again, it was just like you and I. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I don't mind if it's just us doing a celebration. That's kind of like our whole audience anyway. I mean, yeah, that's that's very true. Let's invite everybody that listens to the show over. <laughs> Call him. You want to come to mine? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you call a two hundredth anniversary. Of a, of, of a not quite weekly or maybe even fortnightly <laughs> podcast semi semi regular yeah a podcast that happens Ex- there we go that's it that's it the podcast that happens uh welcome to cease operate everybody the podcast that happens i'm colin and he's james i am and i i'm proud of that one we have set the goal off recording, which we will, sorry, we have guaranteed an episode <laughs> every week for the next month, at least, because then I'm I'm here. I'm here for the next month. Perfect. I have no excuse. You know, we could do one every six days. <laughs> we, I mean, we could, but James, let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. We could do one every five days. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's just take this one step at a time. Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in again to Cease Operate. Thank you for an excellent decade. It is, honestly, I lose track of time. Of, uh, of how long we've been going. But I believe, James, this is our fifth year. I have no idea the- <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I, I, as I say, I lose track. I was certainly still in my old flat in Alexandra Court, for those of you who are ever there, when we started it. Yeah. And um, I'd uh, told you my what my mum described as my big news about... Oh, yeah, you got engaged. 
Yes, definitely that. That was it. Uh, a couple, a couple of days before we decided to, to do the podcast. So that's kind of where I mark when things happen. So like, yeah, you you've got a better anchor point in terms of yes, like how long true. it's been. Mine is just kind of like in the past. So <laughs> that was. So I remember that conversation. It was December 2014. Oh, we're getting nostalgic now. December 2014, yeah. and uh, we started it in January 2015. Shortly after that, and we tried so hard for the first one. We did, and the thing is, like, I listened and, back to it, and it was so artificial and awful. I couldn't listen to it. It was just rubbish. No. We were awful for a fair while, though. Not, but not to say that this product is any better. I say we are just no, we are no, just no. better at it. Yeah. As opposed to making a better show. Which uh, fills you with confidence, dear listener, as you listen for the next 40 minutes. It's perfect. Uh, but seriously, thank you again for, for listening to it. We really do appreciate it. And if you would like to get in touch, of course you can do so by Twitter or just message me and James directly. Or come and speak to us. Accost us in the street. Tell us what you say, think and feel and uh, tell us all the ways that we were wrong. No, yeah, I need to be told I'm wrong more often. <laughs> just in, in, Like, I won't believe you, but it's still... Maybe in my core, I'll feel challenged yeah, well, to to change, and I do need to change. So let's be honest here. I'm I'm not I'm not that great. Uh, well, uh, see, James. Now we're getting into the, the we're getting into the real detail here. Let me disagree and say you are great. Oh wow, I feel challenged. But no, hold on, hold on. Change. But we could all be better. I have learned that uh, over the years. I am now much better than I was. But I'm still not the finished product. As n- and neither is the show. Neither, yeah, we got places to go. We got we're both. <laughs> Got drugs to Self-employed. take. <laughs> we both have like lives to to live excitingly and to to learn new things. Tell you what, twenty twenty is going to be a big year. How is it going to be a big year, Colin? It just is. I just got this feeling. I feel like it's, it's going to be, be exactly year. the same length as most other like <laughs> leap years. No, but but things things will happen. We'll we'll hit like milestones and and you know we'll 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 make waves. That's Wait, what we'll hold do. on. We're gonna have episode. 220 in the year 2020 i know in year 2020 Mind can we blowing. have it on the 20th of something <laughs> 20th of february because then it would be the 20th of the second uh, and quite. like 20 past eight at night okay yeah we, we can certainly we can we can strive to achieve that goal it's another another plan that's never going to materialize yay <laughs> okay Let's talk about actual yeah. things, shall we? Uh, seeing as it has been a little while and uh, we are free of the uh, comments that often begin this show, let's just dive right in and talk about... We've got four big stories to cover, but we're going to start with two. We're going to sandwich the Oscars and some uh, movie chat in the middle and finish with a couple more big yeah. stories. But let's start yes. with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. The Harry formerly known as Prince. Yes, indeed. Uh, now wants to be referred to as a symbol. I feel like I feel like it's guaranteed that a billion people have made that joke, but I hadn't until that moment. Okay, but now I feel like I want to not have ever said it. Let's <laughs> let's give you. I'll let me give you the uh, the most recent development, and then we'll backtrack a little. So the Queen um, has a has agreed to a period of transition ah. in which the Duke <laughs> and Duchess of Sussex, Sussex of Sussex, Sussex. will spend time i don't know why i said it like that we'll spend time in canada and the uk she said she was entirely supportive of their desire for a new role but would have preferred for them to remain full-time working royals uh, she expects uh the final decisions to be made in the coming days so uh and this is based on the news that harry and Meghan announced that they were going to be stepping away yeah from the royal family yeah, with the goal be- 
financially independent. Financially independent. Okay. Like like adults. There there is a myriad of questions I have. Let's just I'll I'll start with some of the facts and then we'll move on to to the logistics of how this is going to work and what your feelings are on this, James. Okay. Starting with the story is that none of the royal family were told this before the press were told about it. Uh, yeah. Now, okay, that's an awkward situation. We'll talk about that. The next question for me is, how do you feel about this? For me, and I know there's been a lot about this said already, I feel the press have hounded, particularly Meghan, but the, the pair of them, ever since they, they, they got together, so much more so than, than Kate and Will's, and whether it's at a different tone, and yeah. whether that is because she is American or she is black or African American or she has that certainly that heritage, if there's elements of racism, there are so many arguments to be made, and I agree with with a lot of them. For me, though, the overwhelming major argument and point to be made is, in my opinion, they're doing the right thing for them, and therefore I am totally with them. If that's what they want to do. Bravo. Yeah. Go and do it. Yeah. I mean... James, what do you think? As a general rule, the fewer royals there are, the, the better. Yes. And while I would prefer for us to just, as a nation, be like, right, no more royals, and then them to be like, okay, this is another <laughs> means to there being fewer royals, right? And I'm, I'll accept this one too. Uh, mutuality is, is fine. Yeah. Um, and if they want to leave... Um, I don't like that they're trying to pretend it's going to be some form of financial independence. That's just not real. They're celebrities. They got free money forever. Yes. Um, but they, they're they wanting to, to try and be a bit more real as humans. So I go, I'll go for it. it. They're probably going to be the most real people in their family. A lot of critics and people who just don't like them <laughs> are saying, oh, how dare they step away from their royal duties? They're uh, betrothed. Well, that's not the right word. They're, they're... They, they better... If- Pay us back yeah. for all them taxes that we spent on their lives. Exactly. It's like all the money we've given you. It's like, well, first of all. Yeah. It's not a taxes work. Consider, boys. yes. And also consider for a second the impact the royal family has on the UK tourist industry and the economy for, for a start. The amount of money. Uh, okay, we spend uh, a lot of money on Buckingham Palace repairs. Uh, I get that. But conversely, how much actually the monarchy does bring in in that terms, it would massively outweigh the contributions that we make. Anyway, I, that's reckon, I reckon we'd make more money from the palace and the grounds and the general everything without the monarchy there. <laughs> that's that's another valid point. However, so that's a different that's a different episode of the podcast the, where we talk about actual one one on one topics overthrowing the monarchy. Yeah, coming soon to a podcast coming soon to hear you materialize eventually okay. definitely okay. so that, that that to me is that to me is the essentially the end of the discussion okay should they have told the royal family and the queen about this absolutely i don't care i don't care okay why, why is that <laughs> it doesn't matter what they tell their family is none of my business. Right. When they tell their family things, none of my business. I don't care about anybody else's family matters but my okay. own. Okay. And nobody else should either. <laughs> that actually, you know what? Yeah, that's fair enough. They are in their mid to late thirties. I think yeah, just they're simply because it's the way I would have done it. If I was Prince Harry, I would have said, Hey, grandmom, I know you've been the queen for a long time and I know that I'm third in line to the throne, but I just don't fancy it anymore. That seems like yeah. a, like a pretty it, big conversation to have as opposed to, hey, everybody, I'm going to tell the press first and you're going to find out yeah. from that. That to me is the it's, way it's that completely, I would have done it. 
it's completely reasonable to expect them to have told people in their family first, but it's also reasonable for them to have not done that and to have skipped to the people who will get the news out the fastest. Like maybe it's less kind, but who cares about kindness within the royals? Okay, I don't. They, like the fact that the the family has spoken out more about this than they did about the whole Prince Andrew thing is is pretty vile. That's like the fact that the media has been speaking about this more than they ever spoke about the Prince Andrew stuff recently is is also pretty vile. So it speaks volumes. Like come on, we got bigger things to talk about than people leaving. How about you talk about the problems that exist? Well, interesting you say that. Let's talk about Australia just after I ask one final question. How are Harry and Meghan meant to live as you say financially independent lives or or normal lives considering they're, they are who they are they'll set up a big old charity that they'll be the ambassadors for because charities are an easy way to make stable big income while also doing good things the the, the reason most big billionaires have charities is just a, as a reason to tax avoid so if you want to make good money as a rich person just start a charity and if they're actually good people the charity will do good work and they'll have a steady income. If they're not good people, the charity will do admin work and they'll have a very steady income. Okay, let's leave that there. Let's move on to talk about Australia. Now, this is a story which has been raging on, if you avoid the pun, uh, for, well, essentially since November, but it's only really gained traction in the last few weeks. To give you a recap, huge swathes of Australia have been devastated by the uh, the worst wildfires the country has seen in decades huge blazes tearing through uh national parks through woodlands through the bush and yep. uh, this mm-hmm. is down to record-breaking temperatures and months of drought which means that uh, according to the latest estimates uh, the fires have burned an estimated uh, 10 million hectares of land since july uh yeah the uh, the conditions have been um Eased, they've eased slightly over the weekend, but so far, at least 28 people have died. Uh, 4,000 firefighters are on the ground at any one time, attempting to battle back the flames. Uh, and it's it's reaching the stage now where the smoke is beginning to circle the globe in some asp- in some parts of the world. It's reaching mm-hmm. continents which are hundreds of miles away. Uh, J- James, yep. summarise where, where we are and what you believe... What what you surmise as the reaction being so far? Uh, yeah, so there's a fire the size of Ireland somewhere else. I'm glad it's not in Ireland, but still, I'm not really glad it's anywhere. Yeah, and it is yeah a result of like a big old drought, uh, but it was a result that people have been predicting and trying to tell the leadership of the country about for a decade and more even. And the party leaders and whatnot that have been coming and going have exclusively been selling land to big business and cutting funding to fire and rescue services and stuff like that. Uh, And ignoring all these warnings that this giant fire is inevitable without action. And then they took no action and now the big inevitable, inevitable fire happened. And most of the people in the current leadership, their first action was to stay far away and say nothing. So the PM himself was chilling out in Hawaii or something and tried to sneak his way back over after people noticed he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't there. Yeah, so the, and all he's done since is try and do some PR. This is the Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who is He disgusts me. Like, a keen, genuinely, he's a keen supporter. Put it put it this way, he supports the coal industry very heavily. 
Yeah. And he has, as you say, faced uh, some severe criticism over his failure to both anticipate the crisis, uh, his slow response, and the fact that last month he left for Hawaii as the country was burning. Yeah. He's been also like heckled on various PR shoots he's gone out to do and uh, he had an awkward moment when he tried to shake the hand of a local. That was awkward. He tried to grab a pregnant woman's hand and force her to be a part of his good PR. And even when he's doing his PR, he's failing even harder. He went to one of the sites of a big crisis, one of the big fires swept through a place. He went to talk about how it's just fortunate that nobody died, but actually people had died. And it's like, how do you make that mistake? Yeah. How can you, as a human being, care so little to make the mistake of not knowing that people died in the area you currently are? I'll be honest. I had some level of ignorance when it came to the Australian Prime Minister. I would have been unable to name him before this story. But the more I read about him, the more he just seems like a Boris Johnson-Donald Trump hybrid. Yeah. People try to prop up Australia's voting system as being good for the people because it's like alternate vote. But that's just first past the post with one fewer problem. You still end up just getting a too big party system and people voting for dumb leaders. Okay, let's let's talk about the response uh, to the fires themselves. Various people uh, during the Golden Globes and their speeches talked about, you know, giving money to the, oh, yeah, to the, the fires. Oh yeah, Golden Globes happened. What about that? Ricky. <laughs> oh, we'll yeah, come back yeah. to that sometime. Okay, <laughs> maybe. In 1988, the first report about the increased risk of Australia's uh, fires lengthening and worsening was published. And this, as you say, has been going on and on and on and nothing has been done about it. And here we are. No, people don't care. Well, sorry, people care. The people who need to care don't don't care. care until it is affecting their income. So the politicians get bought or their, 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 their votes get bought by the rich companies. And the rich companies do not care about killing the landscape and potentially killing hundreds of people until it's affecting their public image and their profits. So if this is inevitable and it's happening in loads of countries. Uh, this is just one of the the worst ones we've seen yet, but similar situations with big fires that are getting worse and worse in America. Okay. Um, before we, before we move on, Obviously, at some point, these are going to be largely extinguished or uh, contained to within a much more measurable and measured scale. Is this simply something which we're going to see again? Or do you believe this is the one which which once and for all, I mean, I know the answer yeah. to this question, once and for all yeah, changes the way we, we deal with, with the climate? Yeah, no. So we're, we're going to see loads of big fires inevitably. Um but it's not as much of a doomsday situation as people believe. So landscapes that are prone to big fires are also very good at recovering from big fires. They usually have entire ecosystems that having massive sweeping fires is a part of their cycle. So it gets rid of the debris, opens up the ground, you get more direct sunlight at ground level and the smaller plants find it easier to grow. Um, so the... The fire is a huge issue because people don't really grow back like that. But in terms of the the uh, ecosystem over there, this is a cycle. And it's the same in America. It'll be a cycle there. Um, but, but it's not going to change in terms of how we control it because all these things can be controlled and managed. You can have controlled burns to allow the ecosystem to work as it should while also not endangering loads of people. But it's hard and it's expensive, so they don't bother. And they don't listen to the reports that it's needed. 
Um, I don't think they will start doing that. They'll just try and find the cheapest option that will minimize risk a wee bit. Okay, uh, time is is ticking away. Let's let's move on. Before we go through the Oscar nominations, a quick word about the Golden Globes. What did you make of Ricky Gervais? He was like mildly funny and said nothing controversial at all. Yeah. Um, well, there was a couple of things where, which I believe perhaps the audience in the room felt were a bit below it's the all belt. Sanctioned. But it's all fake. They're pretending that Ricky's not had that script approved by like ten executives. Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing which perhaps in the room people are like ho 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 ho, but then when you're watching it oh. several thousand miles away, you're saying, well, it's still a pretty safe joke. <laughs> it's all safe, and that's the that's the that's the funniest thing with com- comedians. Like all these edgy, risky comedians are all pretending that they're being deplatformed, but they're saying it in front of the biggest platforms. Ricky's chatting about being deplatformed by the time he gets to host the Golden Globes for the fifth time. Everybody who's big and is trying to be edgy in all the wrong ways are complaining about being deplatformed from the biggest stages known right now. And it's just embarrassing for them. I don't understand how they can feel like victims when they get the biggest paying jobs. Well, see, that was that was part of the point that Ricky Gervais had, but at the same time, <laughs> you gotta look in the mirror, pal. <laughs> I'm sure he got a pretty decent paycheck for that gig. But yes, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like he, he had most of his points are completely valid and fine and yeah, relatively yes. funny. Like I did laugh quietly. So did I, I thought it was a good monologue. But he himself goes on Twitter rants about how he's deplatformed and how like people are snowflakes these days and nobody respects comedy at its core. And you see this from loads of loads of comedians all complaining about how everybody's too sensitive for comedy these days. And it's like you can't believe that while also being the biggest comedians who are currently successful. Uh huh. Okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Oscars. So the nominations came out on Tuesday. I'm just going to pick a few of the important uh, newsworthy headlines to come out of it. We'll discuss them instead of going through every single category or sometimes. Right. I, you know, if it was up to me, I would go through every single category, but that's not, it's not what the audience wants. Feature podcasts where we have ep- one-off episodes. We can do that, Colin. Okay. Just for you. Let's, let's go. We'll go with the main one first best picture and we'll take right. it round by round after that so best picture the irishman ford versus ferrari jojo rabbit joker little woman marriage story 1917 once upon a time in hollywood and parasite okay just one more time let me just go through uh, again what i've seen what i'm yet to see and james you can join in this is an all play round right ford versus ferrari also known as nope. Mans 66 yes Seen that. The Irishman, Martin Scorsese, oh. yes. Jojo Rabbit, yes. Yes. James? Yes. Hey, we'll talk hey, about I that made, I, I watched a film this year. Joker, yes. Little Women, I'm going to see it this week. Right. Marriage Story, going to watch it on Netflix this right. week. 1917, I'm going to watch it on Thursday. Right. Once Upon a Time, yes. And sadly, Parasite isn't out until after the Oscars in the UK. Oh, it's the only other one I care about. <laughs> it's South Korean. It's by... Uh, Boon Jong Ho, and I am. It looks so much better oh, than does, everything else. It does, it does. Right. Very briefly, right. Joker is the favourite here. Joker has uh, 11 nominations. Now, yeah. if you recall, I I did enjoy. Enjoy is not the right word, but I watched Joker. I took a lot from it and thought, okay, that is an, an excellent central performance. Some uh, iffy. Um, <laughs> telling of the story some things i didn't think quite really worked but in terms of joaquin phoenix yes absolutely similarly to bohemian rhapsody is it the best film of this year absolutely not yeah exactly it is no it's nowhere near 
Absolutely nowhere near. Is it a good film? Undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. Is it Mm -hmm. Best Picture? No. Mm -mm. Simple as that. So it's going to (laughs) win. It's a there's a very good chance it does. <laughs> Such a shame. It's just about which film got the most headlines. Because here, here's the thing for me: Ford and Ferrari, Ford versus Ferrari is Oscar bait. It won't win. Yeah, it's I don't want that to win. Good movie, so yeah. safe. The Irishman is a phenomenal work of art. In my opinion, it should be winning. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Jojo Rabbit. We'll talk about this. I adored this movie. It is one of my favorites instantly it's a top 10 for me ever yeah it's right up to the top films absolutely loved it yeah but once you've seen the irishman it's there are two very different films but we'll talk about that yeah um little women yet to see marriage story yet to see 1917 its gimmick is that it's done in one shot one take it appears to have been done it appears to be it clearly hasn't yeah but uh i'll get back to you about that next week once upon a time in hollywood great film quentin tarantino is it his best ever? No. Is it best picture? Also no. Right. And lastly, Parasite. Unable to comment. I'm yet to see I it. I just want it to win, though. I would I would actually care about the Oscars Why? if Parasite won. But you, 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 but you're yet to see it. I don't... I All I've heard about it is great things. And it, it looks yeah, interesting. And it's from an entirely different angle to all other Oscar bait films. This is just an actual film that's being crafted lovingly rather than just being made to get Oscars. Very true. Which is why the only other films I kind of like on the list are like the likes of Jojo Rabbit, which isn't an Oscars film, but it's snuck on there. Yes, I and agree. And it's the likes of Tarantino films because he isn't trying to get awards. Yes, yeah. He's just wanting to make films for him. Although that that kind of film I like, but all this Ford versus Ferrari stuff, all like the Irishman's just another boring, same old, same old. I know, I would disagree with that. I will disagree they're, with they're that. They're excellent. They're excellent stuff, but it's kind of nothing exceptionally new. No, so so The Irishman is the standout for me because it is a phenomenal piece of filmmaking. Yeah. It is three and a half hours long. Yeah. It is a lot, but the story it tells, the performances it has, the way it's written, the, the way it goes about it, I thought it was first class it's up right. there with scorsese's best I'll tell you what since i hadn't it, watched it would it be yet, a worthy winner i'll i'll i will watch the irishman this week and do and it we'll do come it back without, to you do it without distractions okay because i know oh, yeah it, no, phone away i'll get my snacks that, are, that i don't need to look at yes just just grab and eat yes uh, it'll be easy peasy i'll watch it i'll come back and i'll let you know if I would like it to win more than I would like the likes of Jojo Rabbit to okay. win. Okay, well, here, here, let me agree with you. I would love if Jojo Rabbit would win, uh, yeah. won this. It won't. It and won't. I don't, and <laughs> from a totally best picture perspective, is it the best picture? No. Is it my favourite one? Absolutely. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's the difference. Okay, let's move on. We're... we're um, we're taking we could our time. Talk, we could talk about this forever. The Joker has 11, or sorry, Joker has 11 nominations. It's more yes. than anything else in the field. More than a, like a lot of films <laughs> that were expected to have endless no- amounts of nominations. Absolutely. For example, Uncut Gems, the movie which, again, I'm going to see in the next week. Adam Sandler, a career best performance by all accounts. That film and him have been snubbed by the Oscars and people are very upset about it. Because I haven't seen it and I'm upset. By all accounts, it is phenomenal, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I mean, I hope he doesn't mind, because I love that he tried real hard to make a film this time. But I, I also think that people know that these things really don't matter. <laughs> That's true. Like, I hope he's one of those people that just knows that filmmaking is kind of just a 
a bunch of people patting themselves in the back. So to actually make something good is what matters, not to get recognised for making something good. True. Going, tying hand in hand with the fact that Joker has the most nominations is the fact that the best director category is once again all male. Five men. Yeah, so that's nine out of ten um, years where it's all been all male recently, I think. Yes, I, I believe only three women have ever been nominated in the Best Director category, and only right. Catherine Bigelow has won for The Hurt Locker, and that was in 2010. Yeah. this the, the main exception here is Greta Gerwig, who directed Little Women, which is up for Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, but nothing in Best Director. It is weird for it to get nods in so many categories that are pretty big and then not get the Best Director one. That feels like a bit of a... Absolutely. A dig. Yep. I don't know how else to interpret it aside from like a mistake. <laughs> or just the uh, the Academy members being behind the times and voting for their pals. No, I, don't, I don't even think they are behind the times. I don't understand anymore because they've expanded their list. They've got actors of all kinds. They've got directors of all kinds. They've got, all, they've got thousands of people choosing these films. What it might be is that it's similar to elections wherein the people who there's still a majority of people who just go for the expected stuff yes and then everybody else who kind of diversifies their picks diversify too much and none of them get enough votes to to get a nom that's my only guess so so for example you're, you're right you're hitting the nail on the head because if you look at the list of best supporting actor for example it is a who's who of hollywood here's the surnames hanks hopkins pacino pesci pitt that's yeah. the best supporting actor like category. For Pitt to be the young boy on a list is is telling. That's mental. You're right. He's the youngest one there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I know we could talk about all this loads and loads and loads. Yeah. The main the main the point, point being, is, I don't think I don't think I don't think it's insidious. I don't think this is a deliberate mistake. But no, I, think I agree. Their system is failing them somehow. Okay, other noteworthy things. Scarlett Johansson, who was yet to get an Oscar nomination, got two. Hey. One for one for Best Actress in Marriage Story, which I'm going to watch, and one in Best Supporting Actress for Jojo Rabbit, which, again, we will talk about very, very shortly. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Uh, final take about the uh, the Oscars then. Oscar um, Oscars. Oh, yeah, Klaus got nominated. It did, yeah. That so, was cute. Oh, here's the other one. Klaus was a, a Netflix animation uh which small team i watched over christmas and loved i thought it was great uh told a fabry story here's the here's the other headline figure netflix has 20 nominations oh they're doing okay i told you it was a, a shotgun blast this year they're trying to get as many films out there to get nominations as possible so this is this is something which you know i'm totally okay with if people are making interesting different films that people are consuming in ways in which they watch films and TV in 2020, that's great. A film like Roma, last year's uh, winner, which was the worthy winner, yeah. I saw on the big screen, but so many people saw it on Netflix. Uh, and whilst, okay, in my opinion, it is best seen on the big screen, and this is the way that it's done now. And the older, more uh, traditional members of the uh, film industry... Just need to get on board with it. Like this is the way it is now. If this Netflix is, yeah. is getting twenty nominations, it's because they're deserved. They're doing projects. They're funding projects. They're putting things into production and releasing them because they're good. Because they tell good stories with interesting characters, with uh, telling great stories. And if they're yeah. doing it, then great. Power to them. Yeah. Uh, and my last point, since I actually do care about some things, 
is I was I was pleasantly surprised to be on board entirely with the well not on board entirely with but like thinking that the prospects are pretty great for the adapted screenplay and original screenplays because I always moan about nothing's original anymore uh, and while adaptions aren't original I'll I'll allow that to squeak in uh, it's just nice to see that there's actual good films out that were completely fresh. And it's a nice reminder to me to see fresh films on a list. Okay, let's leave that there and uh, move on to talk about Jojo Rabbit. So, yeah, James, you saw this on Friday. I saw this yesterday. Uh, just, <laughs> I know this is like asking you to, to give us your it? essay summary. Yeah. Just summarize how you feel about it, having watched it. Giving a brief synopsis of what this film is. Uh, all right. Well, so the film follows the story of a kid who is a Nazi and his discovery of uh, a Jewish girl hiding in his house because his mum's let the girl stay there. And then how things unfold from there as the Nazi war effort grinds to a halt and fails. Um, spoiler alert, the Nazis lost the war. Um, I was amazed... And then I realized I shouldn't have been amazed, and I'll come back to that. But I was amazed at how much of a depth of emotion I felt in all kinds of directions. Yeah. There were moments in the film that were just completely charming. There were moments in the film that were harrowing. And none of it felt unnatural. It wasn't this the, the quippy, we're in the middle of a war zone and now I'm going to make a joke stuff. None of it felt out of the blue. None of it felt weird. The film was so naturally bouncing around all kinds of different emotions and feelings, and it was beautiful. I really don't know how to describe it very well, but this was an incredibly well-written and an incredibly well-edited film. Okay, let me summarize my thoughts as best I can. For those of you who saw the two tweets I put out yesterday, uh, the second one is one that is worth repeating. I am someone who hates anyone in the cinema making any sort of noise, whether that's a comment or, uh, you know, loud, obnoxious laughing, chatting to their pal about what they've just seen. And this film, a particular part of this film, made me audibly gasp, which in my recollection is the first time that has ever happened to me in a film. Of course, things right. make you sad and things make you laugh and but no great things make you, things make you jump. But th- that was a visceral response, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I get that. Which is the first time I, rec- I, I remember that happening as the film. I was cr- I was cringing on the build up when yeah. that moment happened in the film. It just elicited this natural, instinctive response. And honestly, I was yeah. sat there because I totally failed to see it coming. It hit me like a truck. Honestly, I just could not. The, yeah. the cinema and I was the, in was deathly silent. Yeah, it was. It was. This this film right. grabs people. Hold for on, sure. let, me, let me finish, man. Okay, never. When the film finished, when the credits rolled, I sat there and just absorbed what I'd seen because some of this film like Hunt for the Wilder People, like Thor Ragnarok, to a lesser extent, is laugh out loud funny. Yeah. It is. It's the... It's the and I know... I, I understand that some people... And I've read about this online. Some people have had a problem with the way that Hitler is portrayed as this 
camp, goofy, over-the-top, spunky character, played by Taika Waititi himself. Oh, yeah? Um, oh, yeah. People people saying, oh, we shouldn't. he should be more menacing, or we shouldn't be doing this in the first place. Uh, it didn't, well, it's, it's not funny enough to be a satire. It's not wouldn't... dark enough to be whatever. Anyway, that's beside the point. Let's I mean, talk about... Well, no, they're just... They're, they're actually just completely wrong. Yeah. That is an opinion that holds. Like, one, it doesn't make sense for the story to have a Nazi kid be, like, intimidated by his imaginary friend mm-hmm. until he is... He literally is <laughs> at some point in the film. Uh, and also, like, this is a portrayal by a Jewish man. Yes, Taika Waititi himself wrote is Jewish. It. He wrote the character, acted the character. You can't complain about it in that way. Okay. Unless you're, like, having a one-on-one conversation with the guy and realizing where his falls, faults are. The performances in the movie are phenomenal particularly ronan griffin davis who is the lead actor he is brilliant and tom um tomasin mckenzie who plays uh, the girl in the film she i saw her most recently in leave no trace which came out last year was long talked about for winning oscars it ended up winning uh independent spirit awards and uh, writers guild awards missed out on the big the big bucks but leave no trace is a phenomenal film. She, I believe, was 14 at the time when they shot it, and she steals it. She is she incredible. Is and in in this film, she similarly was was brilliant. But even going further I, than that, the supporting cast, which is small, was excellent as well. So let, yeah, just give us give a we'll give a shout out here to Alfie Allen. Yeah. To Rebel Wilson, who is uh Surprisingly who, not really annoying. Yeah, absolutely. Stephen Merchant. Um, Sam Rockwell, but we'll see. I was saving Sam Rockwell because oh. here, here's the big reveal. There were two two scenes which got me teared up. The big feels in the cinema, and the second one was the big feels with Sam Rockwell. Yeah, genuinely, now, I, same. I love Sam Rockwell as a, as a character actor. He's in one of my favorite films, which is called The Way Way Back, and uh, he, in which he plays some loutish lifeguard, and in a very similar scene. He has the big feels moment at the end of that film. And in the same way, when I first saw that film and I realized, oh, this is Sam Rockwell, I just, I think he's brilliant. And in this film in particular, the mix of light and dark, which Taika Waititi does so well and does it so well in the bigger picture of the film, but in the microcosm of Sam Rockwell's character, he absolutely nails it. There's so many different parts where you are... Oh no, you see behind the character. you You can see, I don't know, this sounds ridiculous, but the absolutely i okay just because i realize i'm ranting here i loved this film <laughs> just, go so and say, watch it but as go i was saying and watch i, I shouldn't have been surprised because wilder people is incredible as well for a lot of the same reasons it's just less risky he's two for two in terms of big deep but also big fun films absolutely yeah it's 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 brilliant and it's richly deserving of its six Oscar nominations. Again, I say two for two, but like, what was it, The Boy? I'm unaware what he did before. He did what we did, what we do in The Shadows, which is funny. Which, again, that's that's funny, but not so much depth. Yeah, and Thor Ragnarok is funny and it's good fun, but it's like, yeah, it lacks the real depth. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what the other one's called. He had a title out before Hunt for Older People. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. Let's leave that. Uh, it was, it was just Boy. We are... <laughs> desperately running short of time in a sentence james let me tell you i watched haiku i watched three episodes of haiku that is the anime volleyball tv show (laughs) volleyball anime that's the one now while you're you're supposed to be saying i watched some of an anime just like that okay sorry james ask me what i watched what did you what else did you watch recently colin i watched an anime 
What? Colin, you watch animes all the time. <laughs> oh, how the tables hath turned. Okay, so right. I on your recommendation, because it is on Netflix, um, I watched with the original Japanese audio and the subtitles uh, three episodes of Haikyuu. Yeah. Now... James, I let me let me start with the uh, with the the sandwich, okay? Yeah. The animation in this TV show is to die for. I absolutely love yes. the way it's done. It is yes. phenomenal. Yes. I'm going to describe it as horror esque. However, I've decided after three episodes, anime is not for me. <sighs> it is. It's just. It's just not what I'm looking for. For uh, to sit I down. You. I judge you to your core. Now hold on. Don't worry. Let me finish this. Uh, the sandwich. <laughs> I'm going to continue to watch the Good show. Job. I find it. I am open to my mind being changed, but I know what I, I know what I like. Uh, <laughs> that's no. That's that's not. That's not. That's not true. I. You got no idea what you like. I'm enjoying. No, but the thing is, like, I'm enjoying it, but it's not something I'm going to be like. Hey, let's put on an anime. No, I wouldn't expect uh, that. No, no, no. It's never going to be the. But, that, but I'm not. I'm not uh, closed enough to say ah, three episodes. That's it. No, I, of I'm, course I'm going to keep. I'm going to. I'm going to keep watching. I know that. I'm going to. I'm going to recommend another show as soon as you're done. Whether you like anime or not, you're going to watch another one. Okay. Well, seeing as I have shows from the early 2000s, actual TV shows that I'm yet to watch, they are yeah. they are next on the list, including The Wire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't don't you worry. They're right, James. Very briefly, what have you been watching? I watched an anime. James and anime, I don't believe it. Can't believe it. I finished it not three hours ago. Um, it's called Megalobox, and it's uh, it's not a sport. It's a sports anime, but it's not a sports anime. It's a boxing anime about an underground fighter trying to trying to make it into the the real world of boxing, I suppose. But it's kind of like mech boxing. They've got like augmented human, and so they've all got robot arms that help them fight. Um, and it just sounds it sounds like that that one film that came out that was really bad but it's like what that film could have been if it was good <laughs> the anime was way better than i thought it could possibly be based off the idea that it's just a boxing anime um wherein the characters have serious depth it makes it made me ask some actual questions about what it is to be a person what it is to be a human <laughs> at some points I, I can't, as we were saying, we're running out of time, so I can't go into too much depth. But again, Megalobox, that's on your watch list, Colin, because I'm in charge of some of it now. Okay, right. And what was the other TV show you've got listed there? I have finished season one of Ozark. Now, that's the Jason Bateman crime Netflix thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Jason Bateman in a, with dr- drug cartel stuff. He's a money launderer. Um. And it was all right. It was like pretty good TV. I'm not going to say everybody needs to go see this right now, uh, but I'm not going to, I don't think I had too many flaws either. It was just a well-paced season of interesting TV that didn't have too many big surprises. It didn't have too many interesting characters, but it was new. So therefore I kind of enjoyed it. That's good. Again, it's on my list of things to watch. So Yeah, it's like, it's pretty good. It's nothing revolutionary, at least not yet, but it's pretty good. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, James, time is ticking. So instead of playing these trailers, I'm just going to briefly summarize. New Mutants, my oh, goodness, yeah. the film oh, that boy. cannot die. This no. is the X-Men uh, horror film, which was meant to come out in early 2018. It was pushed back to summer 2018. It was pushed forward to February 2019. And then they Indefinite. went back 
and reshot scenes. There was talk of a, a new character, and then they shelved the entire thing. Yeah, and now, now it's back. It's come back with a fresh lick of paint, a new trailer. Go and watch it if you like. James, <laughs> any thoughts exactly on this? It's exactly the same. It, it is. Like it's the same exactly film again. <laughs> it's the same trailer. It's just like they've changed a few shots and changed the music. It's like a bit better lit, I guess. You, I can see a few of the scenes a bit better. Like, like, it just looks like the same film. As soon as they started playing the trailer, I thought, I've seen this already. Seen <laughs> I had this. to go back and check. And no, it's, it's, it is it, different. They did the character introduction thing. We now know who all the characters are and kind of know what their powers yeah. are. That's it. It doesn't. It doesn't look any more interesting. But still, I'm gl- like I want things like this. I want the horror films that are comic book films. So I'm going to pretend to be fully on board. But like, th- yay! To me, having now seen this trailer, which has more meat on the bones, I just think, oh, it looks like another X Men film. Yes, it it's just another X Men film with a dark tone. Okay, let's an asylum. Let's tone. move on. Let's talk about uh, another trailer which came out: Birds of Prey. Uh, it is out in about three weeks' time. This is the new DC film focusing on Harley Quinn, a.k.a. Margot Robbie. Sorry, Margot Robbie, a.k.a. Yes. Harley Quinn, and her One or the other. band of gals who go and kill Ewan McGregor's character, Black Damask. So, or, or do they kill him? They, they, we don't know. It's not out yet. It's too early to say, but James, I'm going to say solid yes, they do kill him. This trailer came out. Uh, any thoughts, James? It's an iconic film. Okay, there is... Nothing in looked particularly um More of the same. I've seen it before. I will still go and see it. I'm off. Again, I, I support it. I'm sure loads of people will greatly enjoy this film. It looks like you will enjoy it if you watch it with an intent to be entertained by guns, explosions, and a few And jokes. some gratuitous shots of Margot Robbie. Some, at least well, some. Quentin Tarantino got lots of feet shots of her, so, you know, if he can do that... Anybody can do anything. <laughs> Anybody can do anything because he's Quentin Tarantino. Okay, let's talk about the one trailer I do want to play a little clip from. This is Morbius. Now, we've talked about this over uh, the last 18 months. This is the Jared Leto as a vampire superhero <laughs> slash werewolf. Uh, the first trailer's come out. Also starring Matt Smith, a.k.a. the former Doctor from Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, we're racking him up. Doctors and all the comic books. Jared movies. Someone, I don't remember his name, from Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember his Very good actor. Anyway. Incredible. He's playing the same character. <laughs> yes, I know. Okay, anyway, here he is. Here is the trailer. Why am I still here if not to fix this? I have a rare blood disease. And I'm running out of time. This could be my last chance. You're up to something. What is it? That's not exactly legal. I want to see you get hurt more than you already have. This would be a cure. Okay. Yes, yeah, he's literally playing the same guy from Chernobyl. Yeah. James... (laughs) You're like, oh, I like that guy from Chernobyl. Can we get that guy? (laughs) Before I spew venom at this trailer, no pun intended. uh, Before I spin a web of (laughs) pun. Yeah, for anyone missing the mark there, it's Sony, Marvel, superheroes, get with it. James, go. Jared looks ridiculously bad. I don't know what I didn't like about it, but he just looks like a joke. He looked like an (sighs) SNL skit. I don't get it. Maybe other people are seeing are seeing Morbius, Doctor Morb, and they're kind of impressed by the costume design and the makeup and the hair. He he just looks like a pretend thing to me, and then he becomes a bat, and it looks even worse. I don't know. I 
the trailer was pretty boring. Nothing. I've seen the film now that I've seen the trailer. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And like Morbius gets saves his life from a disease by becoming a bat, and then Matt, <laughs> because he's called Matt, wants to be bat. So he he's like, I'll take your powers, and then Morbius gets to be the antihero, and that's it. <sighs> okay. I'm not- Is he going to be a bad guy or a good guy? Oh, he's he's killed two innocent people and sucked their blood, but now we're going to make him a good guy so that he can team up with Venom in the next film. Right, I feel like I have seen this trailer and this kind of trailer constantly over the last couple of years. I hated this. I'm only going to choose three reasons why. The first one oh, yeah, okay. is using a classical slowing down, slowing down a song. or familiar piece of music and just slowing it down and adding some big orchestras. This is for yeah. Elise. This is the piano tune. I'm singing it. He's he's in there going like, and they just slow it right down and add in some big orchestra timpani hits. And somehow that's a trailer film score. Right? Okay, that's point number one. These days, that's okay. So overdone and it's terrible. Second point. Yes, it's, it was parodied 10 years ago. Second point. You've shown us the entire film in the trailer. I complain about this all the time. Stop doing it. Third point. Why, oh why, did you give away your big reveal, your big teaser that Michael Keaton is in this film as the <laughs> no, vulture at the, in the is, trailer? That is definitely the post-credits scene. Why did you show it? The, oh. <laughs> I was as soon as I as soon as they did it, I was like, "What are you doing?" It would be really funny if he what? actually isn't the vulture, though. What? So they actually <laughs> trick us all into believing that this is like tying into the bigger it's just, universe. It's just Michael Keaton. It's just Michael it's Keaton. Just shows Keaton. Up. He's like, "Oh, I got a truck today. I got a van." Anyway, I just as it was happening, I'm head head and hand saying, "What are you doing?" This it's is Sony. They don't know how to market. This is your reveal, and you're showing it at the end of your first trailer. What is wrong with you? I, go, like, yeah. I shouldn't get this angry over trailers, but I do because I'm just seeing the way it should be done and people can't do it. They can't yeah. get the basics right. And it's no. so irritating. Oh, but man, I hate this. Really, somewhat very annoyingly, I've had a look at what people generally are responding to this and responses have been pretty positive. I know. I, that's the other thing. I don't get it. I've gone on. I've gone on different subreddits. I've gone on the old Twitter. I've gone. I've checked here and there. I even read a review about the trailer, and everyone's like, "Yeah, it looks like it could be real exciting seeing the Spider-Man universe expand with with this film." I mean, no, it didn't look exciting. It looked pretend. <sighs> yeah, I hated that. Right, sorry, we are so far over time right now. I have been it's up. It's a since new year, new time. Been up since five a.m. I need to go to bed. Uh, couple more points one uh, final marvel piece of news scott derrickson who did the first doctor strange has walked away from the sequel yay uh, the multiverse of madness he cited created differences yeah. as they always do yeah. james what do you think reading between the lines what do you think's happened here he wanted to make an actual horror film and marvel boys are like no we don't want anything to be not formulaic yeah we've got our marvel formula now it works that to me is the clearest the clearest explanation you can give. Marvel All bosses, you can do is action or comedy. They've said, rules. this is what we want the film to be. Scott, De- Scott Derrickson said, no, I'd really like it, like it to be this. I'd like it to be something different. And they've said, nope, we know the formula. We know what makes money. We know what works. Uh, see yeah. you, bye. And they've left. So he's left. And That's bye-bye. it. He's away. 
Yep, so we'll patch it up and release it in three months. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't actually think they started shooting yet, but you know, you know, it doesn't matter. They'll patch it up and release it in three months. Just you wait. <laughs> Let's talk very briefly about the final two pieces of news we have talked for a long time. Uh, <laughs> briefly, to the, the biggest news is, here they come. Starting with Boris Johnson has rejected Nicola Sturgeon's demand for a second independence referendum yeah. in Scotland. So the uh, Proving us wrong yet again. So he said a referendum would continue the political stagnation that Scotland has seen for the past decade. Because um, we have? Have we? Have we really? And uh, the BBC... The only non-failing NHS? Have we really? Because the BBC are pro-Tory, I am certain of that at this point. The third sentence says um, <laughs> that Nicola Sturgeon had previously pledged that the 2014 referendum was once in a generation. Aye, that's it. Stick yeah. So Yeah, and let's not talk about how the others pledged that a vote for no meant a vote to stay in the EU. The BBC, will you mention that? Nope. No. <laughs> Nothing Let's, let's only all. talk about broken promises on from Nicola. Uh, in response, uh, Nicola Sturgeon tweeted that uh, his formal Mr. Johnson's formal refusal was predictable, but also unsustainable, self-defeating, and uh, insisted yeah, I mean, yeah. that Scotland will have the right to choose. Okay, James, briefly sum this up. What uh, Expected uh, res- response? No, I, I, I thought they were going to go for it, as I think we talked about last time we recorded, or at least last time we talked about it. The, the, the safe bet to shut down the referendum chat was to do one right now, before Brexit happens, while people are still kind of optimistic. Because we'll still vote no, we'll vote to stay in the UK, and then the Brexit will happen, and then everybody will want out. But it's too late, you've had your second chance. It's, I, I, I am surprised that they've not gone for that, and that they're choosing to actually give us in Scotland more of a demand for it, because we're being ignored now, again. Imagine Scotland being ignored. Uh, yeah. And, and just the general condescension from... Johnson and Gove and all the others has been, I guess, made me feel pretty cringy. And I guess, there's this idea that we're stagnant in Scotland that really doesn't have any founding. So I'm a bit insulted. Okay, let's. I'm just going to give you my tuppence worth before we move on. Nicola Sturgeon had talked about uh, a preferred timetable of being a referendum in the latter half of 2020. That ain't yeah. going to happen. Nah. Uh, I am unsure what options they really have anymore. The next real milestone is the Scottish government elections, which I believe are 2021. Obviously, you've got Alex Salmond's trial in March, which is going to be big news. I imagine will have implications for her as to what she knew, and that will be a distraction from the Indiref cause. That being said, they had their first all-under-one-banner march in Glasgow over the weekend, and despite the fact it was pouring rain and uh blowing a gale you know it was close to a hundred thousand that was the estimate yeah no that was an insane amount of people yeah <laughs> some some media reporting it as a measly ten thousand. okay but you know final final piece before we call it a day this <laughs> no, come back let's chat about independence more <sighs> next week okay this story is has grown arms and legs and been tweeted about it we, constantly. We, we missed the boat. We did, but that's because it happened over Christmas. This is yeah. the assassination of Kasim Soleimani, the Iranian commander, the major general, who was uh, killed in an American drone strike in what I want to say was Iranian soil, perhaps Iraqi soil. I can't remember. It was at an airport yes, in it, either Iran or Iraq. It was, yeah, it was in foreign soil. A drone took him out 
It was, it was wait. With, it was in foreign soil under foreign pretenses. Yes, and also the, the American the Americans asked the Iranians to host a meeting with him, and then blew him up on his way there or his way back. It's like that is just scummy. So in the near two weeks since the drone strike, the administ- the Trump administration have essentially been struggling to come up with an after-the-fact narrative to justify it because yeah, why now, they did it. whatever you think or whatever you've read about Soleimani he was unquestionably a horrible man who did lots of terrible things however blowing somebody up in a foreign country with a drone is an assassination without, it is pure and simple giving a heads up to your congress you know and having said to him come to have diplomacy with us please you never say, come have diplomacy, please, and then blow them up unless you're a bad person. Let's reverse it. Let's say Iran blew up a nasty American, someone who'd killed lots of For example, of people. any of the post-war presidents. Okay, well, let's, let's take it. They've let's, all killed a whole bunch of civilians, well, let's, just Hold saying. on, hold on. Let's take someone who's equivalent, a, a major general from the American uh, army. Let's say the right, Iranians... So any post-war major general. Okay. Iranian drone strike kills an American Navy general on foreign and, soil. And, and a, at a British airport, imagine, the Iranians asked us to host them as a middleman for a delegation. Imagine the reaction. Imagine what would happen. What would happen? Would they just start immediately the bombing them? We'd imme- yeah, we'd, just, we'd immediately start the war. So why has everyone been totally okay with this? Everyone's like, yeah, you know, he was a horrible guy. We had to take him out. He was planning imminent attacks, even though there was no proof of it whatsoever. This is just like what America and what Britain, Europe does. But it's, and it's what they've been doing ever since the war is we blow up things that are far away without really thinking about it and just hope that we're getting the we, bad guys. We just blow we blow people up. And then when people say, uh, are you sure about that? We'll say he yeah, was he just was bad. definitely planning to kill things. And yeah, he was certainly in touch with militias who do killings. So are we. <laughs> That's exactly what the UK government does all the time is arm and militias yeah. who do the killings for us. It's exactly what the Americans do all the time. We are we are more we are responsible for more civilian deaths in general than anyone is taking credit for. Okay. And like should should he have been assassinated? No. no. Should we have done diplomacy? Yes. yes. Is he a bad guy? Was he a bad guy? Yes. Definitely. Do the Iranians love him? No. Do the Iranians love their current regime? No. They're in fact on a mass protest and have been for months. They've had loads of civilian deaths because of this protest against the regime. That does not mean it's okay for us to bomb them and then threaten to destroy their cultural sites. Yeah, that was... And then the Iranians did blow up a civilian plane in response. So. Yeah, yeah, that was... Oh, man. Uh, you're like, boys, come on. Of all the this, things this you could do... This is what happens. You shot down your own plane. However... This is what escalation does. Exactly. If you escalate, they escalate. We escalate. It's just... Quit it with the escalation and the random explosions. This is exactly why we have terrorism. Like, we we have people blowing us up because we're blowing them up. James, I suspect by the time this is episode is finished, it will be either just over or under the hour mark. I believe it is time to stop. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. We have covered a great deal of ground today. It's been nice to be back. Let's yeah. be more disciplined in our <laughs> comments from next week. We've To be fair, we had a lot to talk about. There is a lot to catch up on. Next week, we won't have had a, like, a whole Christmas break to catch up Absolutely. on for people trying to start wars and stuff. Okay, I'll, let me just finish by saying if Hopefully. you have any thoughts or disagree on anything we've said, get in touch. Yeah, please. There's a Twitter for that if you want to be short 
at Seesaw Parade. And there's an email for that if you want to be along. Hey. Seesawparade at gmail.com. Okay, James, it has been a pleasure. Delighted to be back again. First episode of 2020. Let's continue to go forth and record episodes on a weekly basis. Yay. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. Bye. Yeah, thank you all. See you next if week. If you listened this far, especially. Um, bye, Colin. And goodbye, female directors.